I'm doing these races. They're very hard. They're very tough. And they, they, you know, they taxi, they challenge you mentally and physically. And the idea had come in my mind in 20, at the beginning of 2017 to run uh, a back-to-back 100-mile race where, you, where I would run 100 miles on one weekend, recover six days, and run 100 miles again the following weekend. And that, that I took on as a personal challenge. And I wanted to see, one, if it was possible, right? Uh, and two, if I, can, can I do it? <laughs> imagine running a 100-mile race. Now imagine doing that 100 times. Now imagine doing it in 100 straight weeks. It seems impossible to any of us, but not to Michael Ortiz. In this episode, you'll hear the inspirational story of Michael's journey to accomplish a goal that is hard to comprehend. A journey that was born out of tragedy and ended with Michael discovering what he was capable of, even in the face of an obstacle that no one saw coming. Part one of our conversation with Michael Ortiz, right now on Power Forward. This is Power Forward. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to inform, entertain, and educate. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast series do not constitute legal or other professional advice, opinions, or endorsements of any kind. Welcome back to Power Forward. Justin White with you. And for those of you that have listened to the podcast on a consistent basis, you know that one of the topics that always comes up is setting goals setting goals and then achieving them the the effort it takes to achieve your goals and and also not being afraid to set big goals and of all the guests that we've had i i think it's safe to say that nobody has set a more lofty and hard to believe goal than our guests on this episode that goal running 100 100 mile races in 100 weeks. Take a minute and and process that for a second. Yes, running 100 miles every weekend for 100 weeks in a row. It it sounds crazy. It sounds hard to believe, but we're going to find out uh, how this all came to be uh, with Michael Ortiz, who joins us now. Michael, great to have you on Power Forward. It's great to be here. Thank you, Justin. So, so just for starters, when, when you tell people about that, what, what you have done uh, about this goal that you set out to accomplish, what are some of the responses that you have gotten? I, you know, so it, <laughs> there's initial shock, like you mean biking, right? <laughs> or, or any, any other means other than your legs, right? You're, you're not talking a hundred miles by foot. Um, so it takes, it takes a little, it takes it takes about a minute to fully explain none of these are foot races. Um, They sometimes slide, they go for a day, day and a half. Uh, This is every weekend. Um, I think that there's the interesting thing is the response is different or the questioning is different, whether you uh, receive that question from runner or non-runner. I think uh, people who uh, don't run frequently uh, tend to, they, they don't, they won't understand what, that distance means it seems like a big number it's like wow that's impressive i can't how did you do that when you speak to a runner people who run marathons and they're familiar with long distance they're the ones who they like they dive more into 
how on earth? I don't understand. Like, I know how it feels to run a marathon, maybe a 50 miler, but I, I just don't, how do you do that for that long? So the, 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 the response is very. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I am a marathoner. I'm a runner. Um, you know, I've run, I've run several marathons. And when I found out about your story, you know, it was, it was even hard for me to, to wrap that, that around my head, you know, to kind of take it all in and say, wait a second, you, uh, you know, I, I think it's crazy. Number one, to run 50 miles, a hundred miles is, is, is insane. But then to do this every weekend for a hundred weeks in a row, I mean, just from a, a physical standpoint, I, I, I said to myself, I don't know how this guy did it. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how you, you don't break down uh, and your body just quits on you. So, so for, for, from your standpoint, just physically, uh, well, well, you know what, let's, let's go back to the start because you, yeah. you were not a runner, you know, as of how many years ago? Tell us, tell us how this all started. I, I started, believe it or not, um, when I was 31 running. Uh, running distance. And I started running these hundred mile distances when I was uh, 33, 34. So no, I'm not, I'm not a runner by, you know, certainly by, uh, by training, uh, by growing up, I didn't, I didn't do these kinds of things, um, which, which is a point, you know, at some point in the podcast, I want to touch on where, when, when you, when you do set goals, you don't have to worry that, Oh no, was I, was I built for this kind of thing to, do I have to have had done this in the past for, for me to be successful at this now? And then, you know, the answers to those questions are no, you can set big goals and you can do those things now. So you're not a runner by trade, as you said, um, you, you know, well, you're, you're in New York, right? You're based, you're based in New York city. You're, you're, you're a New York native. Um, and you're, you're also, I guess, I guess one thing that we, we are, we are uh, sharing is that you are also in the financial services industry. That's right. Uh, so, how did this all come to be? Um, you know, you getting into running uh, and, and then, you know, becoming an ultra marathoner and then, and then taking it to a level that, you know, really uh, was probably beyond your uh, wildest dreams uh, with, with what we just talked about. How did it all come to be? Tell our listeners. Right. So I, um, I wasn't a runner and I, I actually had no interest in running distance, running the marathon. I didn't want to do it. I, I thought growing up that I was, and this is, this is for real, <laughs> that I was biomechanically unable to complete that distance. And the reason why is because um, whenever I would run uh, either recreationally or, you know, the company 5K <laughs> every uh, annually, whenever I would run that distance, I would have, you know, a pain in the back of uh, my right knee. Right. And it just felt like something that wasn't right. And I thought, oh, my gosh, if I go and I would get that pain around mile four or mile five. Right. Of doing any kind of long run. And um, I just kind of uh, and, you know, and that, that was in my 20s. And so I, I kind of just uh, accepted the fact that, you know what, maybe your your body is just not built to run any distance more than a few miles. And you know what? That's fine. <laughs> I, I honestly I thought that. Um, I know now that that's not true at all. You know, you have to train. First of all, you have to do the right training. You got to do the right stretching. You can't just expect to jump in and run four miles out of the blue. That was the reason why I was having that pain in the first place. But I thought, I thought, you know what? You're not built for it and that's okay. <laughs> and so for the majority of my, like all of my twenties, I, I didn't think I could run a marathon, but I envied those who could. So, um, you know, I had a few friends uh, who had run the marathon and I looked at them as superhuman. Like in my mind, it was like, Oh my God, I, I can't fathom doing that kind of thing. I see you doing that and I'm super impressed. Um, and then 
when I was about when I was 28, my brother was 29. My brother had moved out to California. He and his wife uh, enjoyed the West Coast so much that they eventually wanted to move out there. And they did. And so when he was in San Diego, um, they started training for their first marathon. And I remember at the time thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't. That's amazing. My, now it's my brother doing this. Right. And so I still held that belief that I couldn't do it because I don't know, maybe there was something wrong with my makeup and buildup that just didn't allow me to run that distance. But I looked at him as you know, I looked up to him for that. And I, I, I told him, wow, that's that's amazing. OK, you know, and, he, and he's training for it. He's going through the weekly training and it's not easy. And, you know, you have some long runs built built in there um, and everything was going well. Until one morning, uh, my brother was, you know, he, he rode his bike to work to as a bit of cross training and to get an exercise and to build that endurance space. So, you know, at the time, his job in San Diego was about 15 miles from where he lived. So he would leave, you know, fairly early in the morning to make sure he covered that distance to work. And then he would bike back. And that became his routine uh, while he was training, doing those long runs for the marathon. And one morning he was biking to work. and um, the driver didn't see him. Uh, Blair got in her eye and she she hit him. Um, he fell off his bike and into oncoming traffic. Um, so my brother, my brother passed away. And this this was in 2012. Um, He's 29 years old. And that news just like hit me like a ton of bricks. Uh, this was my <laughs> he was my brother. He was he was my role model. Um, he was my older brother. And it was hard. It was hard for you know, processing those feelings, the emotions, those emotions for, you know, the better part of a year um, for, for myself personally, we were very close growing up. Uh, it was, it was just a very tough thing. And then after that point, um, when I was 30, actually, when, when I was approaching the age that he was, when he passed, I started thinking, you know, um, the idea popped in my mind. I wanted to do something special for David, right? I wanted to do something to, to honor him, um, what could it be? And I'm thinking maybe I could have a memorial service on the one year anniversary. Maybe I can do something that uh, commemorates his life. Right. Um, he was, he was very big on traveling and, and going out and experiencing. And I'm going through these ideas in my mind and I, and I want to do all of them, <laughs> but the one that, that, that just stuck with me, um, was training and running the marathon for him, right. Completing this thing, this big goal that he had, and doing it for him. Um, and so I, that was very scary to me because I didn't, again, I didn't think I could run. I didn't think I, I had the physical makeup for it, but I knew that that was something that was a big goal for him. He didn't get a chance to complete it. So I wanted to do it, run and train and complete it for him. So I accepted that challenge. And that's, you know, that year it was uh, 2014. I started training for, for the marathon, the New York city marathon. And it was, it was hard. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't easy at all. The initial, you know, training, getting, ramping up that mileage, uh, you have to build in your long runs. You, you might have a schedule that you adhere to. It was, it was a lot of work. I, I, I immediately just, it was a humbling experience because you can't just jump into running 26.2. You have to have a fair amount of ramp up time to actually get there. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it, it, it took a lot, it took a while. Uh, I eventually, so the way the New York City Marathon works is uh, there's several ways that you can qualify and, and get into it. And the way that I qualified for it was running nine, they have what's called the nine plus one program. 
you run nine New York Roadrunner races and volunteer for one in one calendar year that qualifies you for the marathon in the following calendar year. So I completed those tasks in 2014. That qualified me for the marathon in 2015. And I ran the marathon in 2015 for David and completed it. And it was a very emotional experience for me. Um, that was by far my happiest race. Um, I guess when I crossed the finish line, I had a flood of emotions. <laughs> it's kind of hard to you know, know how you're going to feel when you, when you accomplish something like that. And for me, it was not only a personal accomplishment because I didn't think I could do that. I honestly didn't think I could do that. And it was an accomplishment for my brother. It was something I, I had done the thing that I wanted to do you know, uh, a year or two ago for him. And that was a big deal for me. So you finished the New York city marathon, you know, and, and like you said, you never thought you could do it. Um, unbelievably emotional moment for you. Um, and just, just the fact that you took on this challenge, um, you know, in honor of your brother, um, I, I can only imagine how much that that must've meant to you and to your family after going through such a horrible tragedy, uh, but, but this whole thing, Michael, and I want you to talk about this, was kind of was kind of spurred on by um, a talk or a conversation that you had with your brother, because the, the two of you, uh, as close as you were, and you said that you were very close, you, you lived your lives in, in very different ways. Um, t- tell me about that, about the conversation that, that you had and kind of how um, he inspired you, uh, not just to run, but just to kind of live your life uh, a little bit differently. So... That's a very good point. We were we were very different energies. <laughs> um, we our, I would say our energies complemented one another. Uh, my brother was very outgoing. He was a very outgoing person. He was a very energetic spirit. He's very social. Uh, and I was I was the opposite. I was very I was reserved. I was shy. Um, I didn't I didn't have that confident energy that he had. Right. Uh, and so we we had very different. We had but we had very different life philosophies. Um, it, you know, when, when I graduated college, my primary goal was, okay, uh, get into the workforce, um, uh, put your head down, uh, and just work and focus on building your net worth while you're young so that you can enjoy those, you know, those things and you know, travel and do, you know, whatever you want to do when you're older, uh, you don't have to worry about having the finances for it. Um, that, and that was, that was my goal. You know, and I sort of um, I worked, you know, the typical being in finance on Wall Street, working the typical 60 to 80 hours a week, you know, like that's a normal thing to do. Um, my brother was very different. Right. Uh, he he uh, he traveled um, a lot. His 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 goal was to go out and see the world while you can. Right. Um, do that when you're young. Do that when you're middle age, when you're old. It doesn't matter. You're alive now. Go ahead and do those things. That was his message. Um, and he and his wife would travel and go to these incredible places and, you know, they would show me the photos and I would say, wow, that looks, that's, that, that's nice. When are you going to start? Like, you know, you should save more for, <laughs> for the future. Right. It wasn't like he wasn't saving. I, in my mind, I thought, no, you should be saving like 90% of what you take in at least so that you can enjoy, you know, have that money work for you. And then you can enjoy that when you're much older, like, don't, don't spend that now. Like those, those experiences will always be there. You know, so in my mind, I'm thinking, no, you need to, you need to save and have that uh, savings compound for you and, and, you know, build and grow. And, and he was more of the mindset, no, you need to enjoy it while you can. Um, so we had different ideologies, uh, different mentalities surrounding that. And I would say that, you know, uh, for the better, for all of my twenties, actually, I, I, 
I did not live the way my brother lived. Right. And I was comfortable with that because I, I thought, OK, you're supposed to do your work now and then live later on. That, that's what I thought, um, because when you're young, you never really you don't <laughs> you don't imagine like death and just like not being here anymore. Th those aren't things that you think about. You <laughs> you take you in a way take your future for granted and you kind of think, OK, that will always be there. That, that that's going to be there. I need to prepare for that thing that I can't see right now, but I need to prepare for it now. Um, and, and that was that we kind of had that different mentality, but we were still very close. We still, you know, we loved one another and we, we didn't fight about it. It was just, that's what it was. Um, when he passed, it just, it hit me. That was a moment of reckoning for myself because I thought, oh my goodness. Um, you know, we went through, we, we had the memorial services, uh, for my brother. We had people, um, on both coasts since he was in California, we had one out there and you know, East Coast here and in New York, we had a memorial service here. Friends and family came. And the one thing that really hit me that people would say when they talked about David was he really lived, right? They would talk about the experiences, this one trip to, you know, uh, Peru, Machu Picchu, or this one trip to uh, San Francisco or this one trip. And they would just mention like all of these different things. And I thought and, and in a wonderful way, right? They had they had remembered him in such a beautiful way. And I thought to myself, I try to do a little bit of role reversal there and flip the script and say, okay, if that was me that people were talking about, what would they say? Like, oh, here goes Mike. He was a pretty good guy. He worked all the time. <laughs> and that's it. Like I wouldn't have anything. And that really that 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 you know that that hit hard. And I started to realize life is short. You know, like tomorrow's not guaranteed. Here you here you take my brother was a you know healthy individual. He had his whole future ahead of him, and it at just like that, he was gone. So so that message that he had been telling me for the better part of a decade started to really sink in when he was no longer there. So I thought, okay, well, I can't be living my life. I can't this this allocation that I have, this this mix of work to life ratio is just like off and it's off really, really bad. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I thought when I, when I took on the marathon as a challenge to honor David, that was, that was a personal challenge. And that was a way to honor, to do something that David had set his mind on, but didn't get a chance to do. In addition to that, I started to um, seek out more adventurous things so that I can travel more. Um, and, and racing lends itself to that. And particularly ultra ultra marathoning lends itself to that because races, the locations for the, some of those races are in the mountains and they're in beautiful locations. So, so as, as you're, you know, making this shift, I, I guess this, you know, ideological shift that you just talked about, uh, did, did you find that the same drive that you had and the same, um, you know, passion that you had for your career and for your, your job on wall street, translated to uh, your, your newfound uh, hobby, if you want to call it that, uh, in running or, or was it a, a <laughs> gradual thing? I mean, you know, because I mean, you know, it's like if you're going to run a distance, if you're going to run a marathon, I mean, you, you can't just casually do it and kind of, oh, you know, I'll, I'll get to it when I can. I mean, you said it, you've got to put in the work. You have to do the training. So did that that same drive you kind of carry over from your career into your running? It, it, it did. And actually, you bring up very good points here. When so I found <laughs> that when you focus on work, 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 you become very good at your job, right? Because um, that's definitionally if you spend most of your time doing something, 
you sharpen your skills in that area and you become, you know, maybe a, a subject matter expert in that particular thing that you work on. That's a very good thing if you want to excel in your career. Um, what I've also found out is that if you if you strike more of a balance between, you know, working hard and living life, um, the living life part is very complementary to your working hard ethic, right? Uh, because a number of reasons, you you know, you can, you can put your head down, work all the time, but if you take that sort of that emotional break, uh, give your mind a break to do different things, when you return to that work uh, environment, you almost return with a, in a with a different perspective, a different energy, and a, like a, a different kind of optimism for you know uh, how you want to complete things. And I, I I found that it was it was complementary in a way to go and take a break from the work setting, to live life, come back, and then you know continue that. Uh, to continue with the with a different kind of mindset, um, and at the time I was I was in sell side research, um, and th- this is a very client facing role. Uh, and you know you, you travel frequently, you meet with clients whether it's domestic in New York City or um, anywhere in the country, right? And you're and you're and you're flying. And so what I found is that sort of when I would do these, these, you know, these distances, 50 miles, hundred miles in the mountains somewhere, um, that became a very interesting thing for the, for, for people to talk about. So I, I would go with, uh, uh, some other, you know, other, my other colleagues in research, we would go to maybe a client event, um, and discuss, you know, we're in a room full of, uh, uh the, 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 uh, higher up execs and there's, there's a there's a few research analysts uh, focusing on different asset classes and uh, and products. And before we kick off the conversation, one of my colleagues would say, you know, um, you know, uh, hi, welcome, thank you for having us. Um, by the way, this gentleman here just came back from running 100 miles in California. <laughs> and, then, and then it would kind of it would kind of like you know break the ice for the entire room because now people are like, hold on, you did what did you do? <laughs> And sort of, you know, talk about that for maybe like five minutes before the meeting starts. And that, that sort of gets everyone comfortable and, you know, with one another and, it, it, you know, gets the conversation going. And so what I what I found out is that you take those experiences and you could you could mix those fairly well in your in your work environment. Um, and it almost enhances, uh, you know, the, your relationship and the experiences that, that you have. So I, I, I think it ties in very well. Yeah, it humanizes you. You know, I, I think you bring up a great point. It's like it's okay to to talk business and personal. Um, in you know, like you said, in conversations with clients or with you know with your uh, your colleagues at work. I mean, everyone's got a story. Um, yours happens to be uh, very interesting. And, and in the case of your 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 running, I'm sure <laughs> you know the eyebrow raising is just off the charts. Um, and speaking <laughs> of, I, w- I want to go back to you know how this all came about because you know you, you talked about finishing the New York City Marathon, but there is a huge uh, gap between marathon running and then ultra marathon running, and then. Uh, this idea that you came up with, which is is called, and, and I think you you dubbed it this, uh, the game of hundos. And, and this has been documented uh, in, in Runner's World magazine. You know, you can go online and Google it. You know, look up Michael Ortiz, search game of hundos, and you can read all about it. But uh, tell us how this all came to be, Michael. You know, the ultra marathoning and then this crazy idea to run 100 mile, 100, 100 mile races in 100 weeks. So let's let's start with the first 100 mile race. <laughs> it, it, uh, 
it so ultra so an ultra marathon is defined as anything over the marathon distance. So anything over twenty six point two miles is officially classified as an ultra marathon. Um, and uh, two weeks after the New York City Marathon, New York Roadrunners has something called the New York Roadrunners sixty k on their calendar, um, and, and sixty kilometers is thirty seven point two miles. They have this race on an annual basis two weeks after the New York City Marathon. So after I ran the marathon, you know, you kind of have, you still have that training. You're still on that runner's high, right? You completed this goal, especially if it's your first marathon, you're, you're going to, you're going to be on that on cloud nine for quite a while. (laughs) Um, I was looking at the calendar and I noticed this, this 60 K that was happening in central park two weeks later. Um, and it scared me because, yeah, well, one, it, it, it both intrigued me and scared me and <laughs> intrigued me because I thought, oh, my goodness, this is actually something that people do. I can't. What? What is this? Um, and it scared me because I couldn't imagine running an additional 11 miles on top of the marathon distance. I couldn't I couldn't fathom it because I knew how painful it was to run 26 miles. I can't imagine. How do you go for 11 more? How do you do that? That's impossible. <laughs> I'm, I'm um, with you, by the way. Never once have I finished 26.2 and said, I'd like to actually run a few more miles. I've always been like, I'm good. I'm done. I want to go sit down. <laughs> who, who, whose first reaction is going to be, let's, let's go for 11 more. <laughs> exactly. But it, it was intriguing because this is something people did. So I, I had to know about it and I had to find out about it. The thing is, it's two weeks after the marathon. You've put it in the training for for the marathon. It, it's you're 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 there. You're there in a way, right? So you have you have to. And I I didn't know this at the time. I thought it was linear. I thought the effort to run distance is a, is a, is a is a linear function, and it's not. I come. I know that now, but I didn't know that then. And what I mean is, the training program that you that you come up with to run twenty six point two. It, you know, needs to be uh, 40% more to get to 37.2. That, that, that was my mentality, but that, that's not the case at all. But I, but I digress. So fast forward two weeks, <laughs> I, you know, I'm at the starting line for this race. I am nervous. I'm like, oh my goodness. I don't know if I can finish this. This is, I, this is honestly one of those races where I don't think I could just mail it in. If I, if I can no longer run, I, I honestly think I, if I, if, I, if my legs are not, you know, <laughs> telling me they're going to cross the line, maybe I won't finish um, because I did a fair amount of research on, on this particular race and the DNF rate DNF stands for did not finish was fairly high for this race. And what happens is the it's, it's run in central park, um, nine loops of central park. And that's, if you think about that, that's mind boggling because central park is first of all, a loop course is, is just tough on you mentally and nine rotation like nine rotations in central park is just mentally exhausting you don't have the you know <laughs> the city flair that the marathon has because sure. in the marathon you run all five boroughs um it was a long Plus it's day. hilly by the way for, for those that have not run central park there are hills <laughs> it's not yes you're it's not little, flat <laughs> and you hit that nine times um it was a long day it was very hard on me uh and it was tough. And that, you know, I did, I did hit uh, certain areas where, especially after the marathon distance, after the 26.2, I was in new territory and I thought, Oh my goodness. And your, your body's hurting, your legs are hurting. It's never seen this kind of uh, you know, distance before this pounding on your musculoskeletal system. It's everything is new. <laughs> um, and it's more at that point, less of a physical uh, like pushing forward, 
than it is a mental pushing forward. You, that race was uh, sort of the, the first time where I really experienced a low, like a mental and physical low, and, and pushed myself through that low just by continuing going forward, um, trying not to think about, you know, the next step, but just sort of in a, in a way, mechanically, just continue, just continue. This will, this will change. Um, you know, I, I, I had a sort of self-talk my, myself to, to, to go, to go forward, to continue going forward. Um, and I did. And what I found out in that race is if you, if you keep going forward, it, you, that low, that, that physical and, and mental low that you're experiencing at that time doesn't last forever. It'll, it will go away. Uh, and you, and you will soon start to feel good again. And so I completed that race, 37.2 miles, and I was very happy. I was excited. I was shocked that <laughs> I, I was one of the finishers to finish that race. And it was like, oh, my goodness, I'm, this is great. The thing about 37.2 miles is, or running any, any distance above the ultramarathon uh, is that you get curious again. And I got curious after that race, and I checked the race calendar just to see, just to see what was out there. I didn't have any, I didn't have any, you know, um, uh, anything I was searching for in particular, I just wanted to see what was out there. And so that was for the New York Roadrunners calendar. That's it. That's like, that's, that's the top distance. There is nothing above that, but I was so intrigued by the ultra marathon. I like classification to begin with that. I started looking at those distances. Um, I saw a race that was a 50 mile race in Lockport, New York. It's called the beast of burden. I, 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 I flew up to that. I ran that race. It was hard. Uh, but I completed it. And so now I'd, I'd run 50 miles. Then they also have a summer version of that race <clears throat> for that. That's, a, that's a hundred miles. And I thought, Oh my goodness, th this is it. This is like, th th this is the distance that I just, I can't fathom because at, at that, at that time I, I had known what it would, what it felt like to run 50 miles. Doubling that just seemed impossible to me. Um, I trained for it for months uh, and I, it was a matter of getting my, myself in the right headspace to, to, to run that distance. Uh, I tried to, you know, uh, go in there with a game plan, like thinking, okay, well take down one marathon at a time. Well, one 25 mile segment at a time. Um, and, and, and that's what I did. And it took, it wasn't easy at all. <laughs> that, that was the first one. It took a lot of, it looked, took a lot of effort to actually complete that distance. Um, and, and I successfully did, it took 26 hours, 26 hours and I believe 12 minutes for me to cross the finish line. That that's, that's over a day. So when, when you think about that effort, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a long effort. It's a great effort. Um, there's no sleep involved. You're pushing through You're you're, you're, you're going for as long as you can until you cross the finish line. Um, and that was a great experience for me that just that first one, it was very hard. <laughs> it took a lot of time to get there. The ramp was, was, was fairly steep. Um, and when I crossed the line, I was very excited about it, but I didn't want to do it again. <laughs> I, I crossed the line and I figured this is it. I'd done it. Check the box, bucket list item. I never want to experience this kind of pain again. <laughs> um, and that was that, that was that very first experience. Uh, all right. So that begs the question. You you did it. You you did something that you know most people can't even fathom running 100 miles. And like you said, takes you more than a day, no sleep. You you physically you're probably just broken at the end of it. So what possessed you at that point or at what point did you say, 
Uh, I want to do it again. And not only do I want to do it again, I want to do one of these every weekend for a year. <laughs> so the thing with, um, so I run that first race. Uh, it never, it, when you cross the finish line, the last thing you want to do is do that all over again. So you tell yourself, or I told myself at least, I don't want to do this again. That's a bucket list. Sure. That's a bucket list item. I did it. Great. Move on. Right. Never really works that way. Not, not at least with ultra marathons, it never really works that way because the next day or the next few days, you know, as you recover and you get your legs back and the soreness goes away, you kind of think what else, what else is out there? <laughs> and so, and so that's what it became um, for you know, and, and what I, I would, I would look for races that had some kind of, um, uh, destination type, uh, feeling to it. And so like mountain races in particular, whether it was in Colorado or another part of, of the country that I know, like I normally wouldn't go to on my own. I, I would see, I would seek out locations like that because that, that mentality that my brother, you know, had lived of live your life and go and enjoy these things and experiences while you can. I, I, I sought that, you know, I, I wanted to go and and do these things, but I had a, a different delivery system, so to speak. Um, my delivery system was racing. So I would, I, I figured, okay, well, you know, I, I don't have that personality type where I would just go and do these things. Um, there needs to be, for me, there needs to be something, uh, tied to that. And, and the, the thing that would tie me to that is, is running a race, right? The race is what would get me to these destinations. And then while I was there, I would enjoy the experience and get to see the world. Um, and it really did open my eyes. Uh, but I did that for, for the next few years, you know, I would, I would run ultra marathons, um, at this location or that location, whether it was, uh, a 50 mile distance or the 100 mile distance, but they were here and there and they were, you know, maybe a month uh, or two spaced out, spaced apart. Um, and I did that and I really enjoyed it. And it was over those few years, I would say between 2015 and 2017, by well, like a two or three year period um, where I thought, you know, I'm doing these races. They're very hard. They're very tough. And they, they, you know, they taxi, they challenge you mentally and physically. And the idea had come in my mind in 20 at the beginning of 2017 to run uh, a back-to-back 100 mile race where you where i would run 100 miles on one weekend recover six days and run 100 miles again the following weekend and that that i took on as a personal challenge and i wanted to see one if it was possible right uh and two if i can can i do it (laughs) um is that something that i can do and so i set that as a personal challenge in 2017 i tried uh, the first time I tried that was in August and the first race on the first weekend I completed, it was tough and it was, it was hard. And the second race on the following weekend, I DNF did not finish. Um, and I DNF at the fit at the halfway mark. And I, you know, mentally I wasn't there. Uh, I, I thought, Oh my goodness, I can't, this is too much. This is hard. And I, and that's actually the first race that I DNF and it, you know, that, that, that doesn't sit well with you when, when you don't finish the thing that you set out to do. Um, I, I looked at the calendar and again, th- th- this is all, I, I speak about, you know, I, I talk about this, like it's, uh, you know, uh, an easy thing to do just, Oh, just choose something, something beyond the calendar and just do it. The logistics involved with, <laughs> with, with, uh, making it to these kinds of races, making it work with your work schedule is I think is the most difficult part of all of this. So, you know, um, 
I work in midtown Manhattan and, uh, you know, uh, 10 to 12 hour days, most days getting out of the office on a Friday afternoon, uh, in midtown and jetting to the airport or trying to getting to the airport to make your flight, getting on your flight, flying to location, driving to the race location, um, getting maybe five hours of sleep. If you're lucky waking up and running this race that can take anywhere between a day to day and a half to complete finishing on Sunday afternoon, driving back to the, you know, changing shower, getting ready, driving back to the airport. It's a, it's a big, it's all a big thing. Um, so I, so I looked at the calendar and I figured, okay, another opportunity that I can do this is August. This is 2017. That's the second time that I tried. And again, the first weekend, the first race I completed and the second weekend I, I DNF'd again. And I think that one was at mile 67 and it doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> and it kind of, you know, like it, it, um, it I, I started to question maybe, I don't know, maybe it's something I can't do. Um, and I knew that, you know, I kind of felt that, uh, it was a mental, just a mental barrier. So something that I needed to push through that I was finding difficult to push through. Um, so I tried again, uh, this time the following year in 2018, and um, 2018 was a very busy year, uh, personally with work, with the race calendar. I, I couldn't, I couldn't find um, a, a back-to-back weekend where that where that would work, where I would find one race on one weekend and a subsequent race in the following weekend. I couldn't find, I couldn't make it fit because it's a big, it's like a, it's a big puzzle. Um, and I did in in November of that year. So it took much much later in that year. Uh, and I set out, I had my races, I completed the first one and I try, I tried to prepare myself mentally for the second one. And I thought, okay, I'm choosing a race that I'm familiar with. <laughs> I know the course. And the, you know, the, sec- the second race was the Daytona 100. It's a 100 mile race from Jacksonville, Florida down to Daytona beach, Florida. And, it, and it's all run on the A1A. Um, so th- this one, this particular race is a road race and I, and I'd run it before. So I knew that I was familiar with the course and I figured, okay, that, 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 that's a strength that I'm going to have on my side. That's a benefit. I know the course already. If I, if I encounter any uh, mental block or mental challenges or feelings that I can't continue it, I, I, I kind of know through experience how this feels like and where, you know, uh, what the next X amount of miles looks like. And I completed it. And so it was the back-to-back, I called it, I dubbed it the back-to-back, uh, back-to-back hundred. It was a big deal for me. And it was a big deal for, you know, my, uh, my circle of friends uh, who also, you know, run ultra marathons and it's like, Oh my God, you did this thing. And I'm like, Oh my God, I did this thing. (laughs) I can't believe it. So, you know, I, I was, I was, I was proud of myself and I was on cloud nine and um, you know, I've, I write about the experience and I wrote, you know, like about how, okay, this is a physical um, challenge. It's also, it's more so a mental challenge to, to get yourself through it. And the 100, the game of hundos was, was not, that wasn't the goal. That was never the goal. That's not how it, it you know, came. I, di- I didn't one day wake up and say, I want to run 100 mile races, 100, 100 mile races every single weekend for almost two years. I never did that. It started with the back to back because at the end of uh, that second race, that was it ended Sunday. I flew back to back home. Uh, I was in work first thing Monday morning. I'm at my computer. I'm, it's all, it's all starting to sink in and like, oh my goodness, I did this thing. I'm, I'm very happy about it. Then I got curious again and I started to say, okay, well, what's on the calendar? I just, I just want to see what's on the calendar. There's, you know, I had this goal that I wanted to do for two years. I finally did it. I, I, but I just want to see what's on the calendar. 
And I saw there was uh, just one 100 mile race in, in Louisiana called the Lugaroo 100 the following week in the next five days. And I, I thought, what, what, what if, what if I did this three, what if I three peated, you know, and I thought, okay, if I did it, 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 it comes, for, it comes for free because I didn't, I didn't have this goal to begin with. It wasn't part of, you know, my, my initial goal. If I don't do it, that's okay. That's totally fine. And so I signed up for the race. <laughs> I go to the race. I had no expectations. I thought, okay, if I do it, great. If I don't, it's totally fine because I already completed what I wanted to do. So let's see what we got. Um, I finished the race. I was DFL. Uh, it's, so DFL is, is the last person who crosses the line. Um, and I, I finished with uh, maybe 10 minutes to spare. And that in, in the grand scheme of things, this was a 30-hour race. And I crossed the line at 29 hours, 50 minutes. That's a very tight that's a very tight window. You don't, you don't really, you don't know if you're going to make it or not. And so in those last 10 miles, I was, I was very uh, cognizant of, of the time cutoff. Like, Oh my goodness, I need to be here by, by this time. Am I going to make it? I don't know. <laughs> and I crossed the line and this was three for three. And I thought, Oh my God, I can't even I th like, I, I, I didn't, I couldn't fathom um, what, what I was doing at the time. At the time it was, I, it, on paper, it read three 100 mile races, three week with three weekends in a row. Oh, oh my goodness, I didn't. And so I go back to work again that following Monday, and it's now I'm 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 still on cloud nine because now now I had done something that I never thought I could do. I hadn't even set out to do this originally, and I'm getting curious again. <laughs> um, had is there a fourth? Is there? Can I do a fourth? Uh, so fast forward, I get to ten. And in a again, row, in a row. And okay. again, th this is nothing. I not, I had not set out to do any of this to begin with when I had gotten to 10. So just, you know, to put this in perspective, this is two and a half months of running every weekend, 100 mile races, flying in uh, out of New York, uh, Friday afternoon, get to race location, complete the race, fly back, be at work Monday, first thing Monday morning. This is going on for two and a half months. And not only you know, do you have to manage logistics, but you have to manage, manage your, um, your sleep schedule because on the weekends, you're just not getting any. Uh, so this is going on for two and a half months. When I hit 10, I thought I, it, the idea of records started to, you know, pop up in my mind and, and, and people would write comment on posts saying, Oh my, is this some kind of, what's the record for the streak? And I thought, I don't know what the record for the streak is, what is it <laughs> for, for like back to back? And it turns out the record was 17 at the time. I, I didn't know that. And I certainly, I wasn't going for anything like that. It was just like, a, it started as a personal challenge. And I thought, okay, well, can I do this as a personal challenge? Can I do two? Can I do three? Oh my goodness. This seems to be like four and five. Um, and again, I, I talk about this, like it's an easy thing to do. I, I, I you know, it's, it's a logistical challenge and it's a physical challenge. And you mentioned at the beginning of this question, how do you do this and not get injured? It's also luck is also involved. 100% luck is involved. So, you know, if you can make the logistics work, the hardest part is getting to the start line. I think um, you, because if you make the logistics work where you can get to the start line with enough sleep um, with your, you know, having completed your work tasks on time and all of this, all, you know, your relationship would, if you, if you're, completing your relationship goals, like all of this fits into getting to the start line in a successful mind space to complete the race. Um, the, the, you know, luck is involved. You, 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 oftentimes you, you run these races and they're in a mountain setting. 
if you step on the trail and sometimes on rocky trails, sometimes it's technical terrain. If you step on something, a rock the wrong way, or if you fall and you trip and you hit your knee or you twist your ankle, that's it. You're, 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 you're out for some time. and You're not going to be able to run the following weekend, let alone complete that race. I've seen it happen many, many times where people don't finish a race because they've either, you know, they, they twisted an ankle or they had some kind of accident or something, something happened on the trail that just, um, cause them to, uh, call it for the day. And I, you know, knock on wood, I, I, I had come very close a few times to having to twisting an ankle and, or like twisting a knee or falling. I've, I have falling. I've got, I have my fair share of falls wow. <laughs> um, that luckily have not taken me out of, of the running. But after 10, I started to think, okay, what, what is the record for the streak? How many, how many races in a row have people done, um, and I, I looked these things up and, you know, the numbers started falling out. 17 is the record for the streak. Um, at the time, 36 100-mile race completions for a calendar year was the record. And so all of these things start to start to fall in place where it's like, okay, well, I just want to keep going to see if I can do this as a personal challenge. But now there's something else to actually strive for, and that would be really cool to get. Um, so so again, the hundos never, never started. The game of hundos never started. Uh, as this outsized goal, because if you told me at the start of this uh, in 2018, hey, by the way, for the next two years, this is what you're doing. I would have told you, no, 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 you have the wrong guy. I can't do that. <laughs> I said, so I can't, I can, mentally, I can't do that. Logistically, I don't even know if that's possible. I have a daytime job that's better suited for someone who, you know, that's all they do is run. That's their, you know, they travel in a van and that's maybe, maybe, maybe that person can do it. I can't. Um, if you told me that, that's my response to you. Um, but as, as I'm doing these things, I can't believe I'm doing these things. And so I, I, I just, I just had to keep pushing forward. Um, and it all happened so quickly. It all happened. You're in it, right? You're in it. I didn't plan it, but once you're in it, you kind of have to, you have to think on your feet because when you complete the race, it's Sunday, you're drained. You're just, you, you don't want to think about the next like five minutes, let alone the next the schedule for the next six days. You get home, you shower, you rest, you get to work. That Monday morning, you have a few days to figure out your schedule for the following weekend. So this was all in a rolling basis um, at the beginning. When I got to 20, 20 was a big milestone. 10 was a big milestone. 20 was a big milestone. When I got to 20, I thought, okay, I, I need to start planning these things long-term. Um, I need to plan for 50 or, or at least for the for the remainder of the year, um, which I think at that time would have got me to 50, uh, 58. No, sorry, 56. Um, so I, I planned it for the remainder of the year. And the reason I was reluctant to do this up front is because I didn't want to, when, when you plan for the remainder of the year, you're planning all the races, you're registering for all the races, and race registrations vary in, in, um, in cost. They can cost anywhere between $100 to $300. You're buying all your flights up front. You're paying for your hotels. You're paying for your rental cars, and all this is a is a large cash outlay that you that you do up front, right? Um, and I was reluctant to do this in the beginning because what if I got injured at number thirteen and I couldn't do the rest of it? <laughs> Having to cancel and requesting refund that would be a nightmare, right? I didn't. I just didn't think I can, you know, could go through that. So. When I got to 20, I was fairly confident enough in my execution to complete these things that I thought, okay, well, I, I have to stop 
um, organizing these things on a week to week basis because that that's tough enough. And I and I have to start thinking long term um, and, and organize the schedule in a way where I could complete um, pay for these things up front and just execute, not focus on the logistics and just focus on execution. And so that's what I did. Part two of Michael's story comes your way in the next episode of Power Forward two weeks from now.